नमस्ते एंड वेलकम टू अनदर एडिशन ऑफ द भारत वार्ता वीकली थैंक यू सो मच फॉर चूजिंग टू स्किप द न्यूज एंड वॉट्स द वीकली इंस्टेट आई हैव योर रेगुलर पैनल आशीष चंदोरकर एंड श्रीवत्सा सुबाना हियर टू डिस्कस द न्यूज एंड इवेंट्स ऑफ द वीक दट वॉज हाई आशीष हाई वत्सा हाउ यू गैस डूइंग I carry. I carry. Spending time on poo these days. <laughs> well, we'll talk about uh, that in further detail. Uh, so last week we had just the one episode uh, on India-US relations, which was uh, uh, very interesting. I thought. I mean, uh, especially given some of the things that happened afterwards, right? Uh, Ashish, you want to talk about uh, you know the the India-US relations, uh, what we discussed, and some key highlights as well. Yeah, uh, this was a very interesting uh, episode. Uh, I think different panelists had different views on how the Indo-US relationship will evolve in the Biden administration. Uh, the I think the difference really is that uh, uh, the the level of optimism differs. I mean, it's it, it kind of uh, different across different sections uh, of of panelists. Some people feel that the Indo-US relationship is not dependent on who the president in the US is, but it's more like a a bipartisan uh, effort to keep india on the right side but i think i think uh, personally i am quite worried about how things are evolving especially in the social uh, sphere right like uh, the influence of the uh, uh, sociologists or the or the woke liberal population in the us that is increasing rapidly and uh, how would that pan out remains to be seen so we had good uh, good points and counterpoints here to linda vashish Uh, who lives in Houston and has been has been there for 20 20 years. Has been speaking to President uh, Abhishek Paul, who uh, very closely follows the U.S. politics. And uh, I spoke about different viewpoints. Uh, uh, very interesting episode, I think. And uh, I just hope I am wrong on this one uh, as the next four years evolve. Right. And uh, the Modi Biden call happened right after, right? Yes, soon after. In fact, the points that we raised in the uh, in the in the episode. that uh, areas like climate change or um, a commitment to multilateral organizations and rule based world order etc all of that actually found a resonance in the speech or sorry in the in the readout which both india and us put out after that call so uh, i think good validation of the thought process in that sense right uh, so definitely check out this episode i mean we're seeing a lot of interest from outside of india in this episode particularly right uh, Moving on to the first piece of news uh, from the week that was, eminent personalities and top politicians have begun flocking to Koo, a homegrown social media app which is positioned as a Twitter rival. Twitter has been in hot water over the past few weeks, as we've seen, uh, so it's no surprise that an Indian-made competitor is gaining popularity. Koo is a multimedia microblogging platform and has raised over four million dollars in funding just the last week. It also won a government award for driving tech innovation. The app reported that downloads have gone up by over 10x in the past few days, with a spike of 10 to 20x growth in new users. Uh, Ashish, you are on Q, I know, and I know that Bharatwarta is on Q. Are we witnessing the next uh, Indian Twitter in the making? A uh, very interesting uh, change, Kari. Uh, uh, I have actually used all the different platforms which have come in in the last four or five years, and nothing really has stuck as much as Q has, and that's only in the last. Week actually, um, the the founders are the ones who are running taxi for sure. So they have had a very successful exit. Ola had bought their company for 200 million, uh, I think in 2016. 
So these are people who are in the tech world to understand what it takes to build a consumer product, which is a positive thing. Uh, the app, as you mentioned, has raised uh, four million in funding, initial funding. I mean, of course, Twitter has, probably has had access to one, one and a half, two billion in funding, so long way to go in terms of comparison. Uh, but uh, for the first time, I think there is a serious challenge being mounted. Uh, the app won the Atmanirbhar App Challenge in August 2020, and I think that's the that must have been the time when government decided that we need to have an alternative to Twitter in India because it appears that uh, right now a lot of engagement is being driven by MyGov and several ministers have also joined. They've all got uh, uh, you know uh, what they call orange tick or yellow tick, uh, which is the verified handle in two, and um, uh, it seems that the handles have been reserved for various eminent personalities already. Right, so you can't create handles in someone else's name, even if you wanted to as a parody, etc. So there's certainly a game plan here. Uh, how was it devised? When was it devised? We will come to know. But uh, the the uh, the intent seems to be that while Twitter obviously cannot be shut down in India, uh, I mean it is used for international diplomacy. There are a lot of foreign dignitaries, cricketers, you know, a lot of lot of the other kind of uh, celebrities which. Which which have got a global linkages around Twitter, so you cannot really shut it down per se. But it appears that the government is preparing to use a local platform for the day-to-day -day communication. And what happens is, uh, what happens then is that a lot of media will be forced to use tools because the government is going to release its uh, news, etc., in, in a different platform. Then the media has to be there. And once that happens, that kind of propels the the use. And I, I only media organizations on to like news agencies. So uh, that start has been already been made. Uh, someone mentioned on Twitter that India, uh, there are 17 and a half million uh, users on Twitter from India. Uh, I would have thought it, the number is a little higher than that, probably about 30 million. But nonetheless, who seems to have got 3 million uh, users in the last week, which is like one tenth or one sixth of Twitter's India base, depending on what the actual Twitter numbers are. Uh, what is not there on Ku right now is essentially media and brands. And once that happens, uh, uh, things may change uh, significantly, and it seems like it's it's getting there. So, so they seem to have a very good start, and the app seems to have uh, stabilized in the last couple of days. Uh, what uh, the one point I would mention here is that uh, Twitter has had 15-year run, who's like probably eight months old or six months old. So, the comparisons which will be there on feature list, etc., feature set, some of them are. I mean, there has to be some patience with who in that sense if if, if people really want to use it because. Twitter got a long rope, and I remember that in 2009, 10, 11, uh, when Twitter did not work properly, it actually used to be quite a uh, event. Yeah, exactly, fail whale and all of that. And so people used to enjoy Twitter's failures, right? But the new platform will be under pressure to be at the same level as Twitter, which is not practically possible. So uh, I think once the glitches are sorted out, I mean, they probably will get one year to cover 10 years of Twitter. Uh, if they are able to do that, uh, this seems like a very promising uh, journey. With them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually reminded of this quote, you know, I mean, I don't know who said it. Uh, you never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, you build some something new that makes the existing reality obsolete, right, or redundant. Uh, and I think uh, this whole coup thing is uh, sort of a uh, an initiative in that direction, I would say. Uh, and Apremaya is an experienced founder and an investor as well. So he has seen consumer apps and he has seen scale. Uh, so I'm sure that, you know, I mean, we won't be short of resources uh, or expertise as such. Uh, so this is actually promising. Yeah. All right, let's yeah. move on to the next piece of news. Um, unfortunately, a glacier broke in uh, Uttarakhand, leaving 26 people dead and 170 missing. 
current investigations indicate that um, this break was caused by an avalanche that broke the Rishiganga Dam. Uh, the glacier was situated off the rainy village in the Tapovan area of Uttarakhand. Rescue attempts are underway with teams working around the clock to evacuate workers stuck in tunnels. Food supplies are also being airdropped to affected villages. The debris of this avalanche has created an artificial lake thrice the size of a football field. Authorities are worried that this could lead to another flood. A uh, pretty unfortunate, uh, what's up? Yeah, Carrie. Uh, I think uh, with an incident like this, uh, it's good you use the term initial investigation uh, because people tend to jump to conclusions that, uh, and we are seeing some of that, that kind of suit their own ideology uh, in terms of whether there being, you know, construction in the mountains and so on. Uh, at this stage, it does appear that uh, this is more of a, a landslide whereby uh, you know part of a glacier broke off and uh, fell with a rock for about uh, 2000 uh, meters so that's nearly 2 kilometers in height and that uh, you know that just that momentum and it combining with rocks and you know other material uh, and obviously all this force would have melted some of the ice which uh, which led to a lot of uh, destruction uh, downstream uh, now, one thing is that, uh, you know, similar incident had happened in Nepal in 2012 uh, and there was a, not a similar incident, but an incident which led to quite a few deaths in Kedarnath in 2013. Uh, and at that time, there were, you know, the NDMA came up with a list of uh, things that should be done in terms of uh, studies that should be carried out periodically. Uh, and I think some of that should be enforced more stringently uh, because some of these incidents, if not all, are preventable uh, if, uh, you know, rocks, their movement, uh, you know, where the, uh, the areas of strain and so on, these are monitored regularly. Uh, so I do hope that, uh, you know, this is not seen as an act of God or that we should not have development in the hills or we should not build dams in the Himalayas and so on, uh, but seen more uh, as what can we do to prevent such incidents in the future through better use of technology and monitoring. All right, Kari, I just add one point here that does the the power plant which was which is which kind of got got completely destroyed was actually a run of the river plant, right? And that is actually the type of power plant which environmentalists typically approve of. They, what they don't want are is like the you know the uh, uh, impounding type dams which are large size and uh, essentially create dis displace a lot of people and change environmental realities. Uh, on the contrary to that, the run of the river uh, uh, projects do not do not have that much of an environmental impact. So as such, this doesn't uh, this is not a classic uh, dam burst type of a thing which which we should lead people to criticize uh, these these large projects. And it wasn't that. But I think people just don't see the the, the actual data and or facts, and then basically opine based on their own biases. So, as Vatsa rightly said, uh, un until the full investigations are done, they should, we shouldn't really blame this on large projects uh, and and so on. There's a large a lot which we don't know right now on how, what what exactly transpired. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the dam itself, the power plant is uh, just about 520 megawatts, so it wouldn't even you know qualify as something very large. Right. 
All right, moving on. Uh, the Ram Mandir Trust has raised over 1,000 crores for the temple in just under a month. The secretary for the Sri Ram Janmabhumi Tirtha Kshetra started the, stated that 1.5 lakh Vishwa Hindu Parishad volunteers are collecting funds from remote villages and elsewhere. President Ramnath Kovind has donated 5 lakhs in his personal capacity with Madhya Pradesh uh, Chief Minister Shivraj Singh Chauhanji donating 1 lakh for the cause. Uh, the total cost for building the complex was estimated to be around 1,100 crores uh, with about 300 to 400 crores for the temple alone. Ashish, uh, surprised to see such an amazing response in such a short time. Yeah, great response to the, uh, to the whole donation drive here. Uh, the temple is being constructed uh, from private enterprise, from private money. There's no government money involved here. So it, it was incumbent on people to contribute. Uh, in fact, uh, if you remember, uh, this point had come up in our podcast, which released just on the day of the Bhumi Pujan, right? Like when Vivek Kitan and Uwe Jairaman spoke about how the Ayodhya movement had, had shaped up. They had highlighted in a big way the role of uh, individuals beyond institutions. Uh, how, how individuals have really uh, stood up and uh, led this movement. I think the same comes out here in terms of the collection uh, collections for the actual construction. The project is estimated to cost around 1100 crores. So I'm guessing that the trust would want to collect about 15 to 1500 to 2000 crores because that would then leave some margin for uh, other projects and so on. Right. Uh, so there's still some way to go to get there. But nonetheless, I think it, it seems that at the current pace, 1500 crores should be easily easy to collect the last day to for the current cycle of, of donations was end of Feb. So we still have a few days to go, like half a month to go. And that should essentially take the number closer to 1500, hopefully. And um, I, I think I, I mean, can't wait to really see the, uh, the, the construction start and uh, get into full swing. I mean, this has been uh, a project. This has this has been like a movement which has lasted. Uh, I mean, all of at least my adult lifetime. And uh, most of us actually did not think that this project will actually materialize in front of our eyes. So now that that is happening, it would be good to see it uh, completed in the next three, four years as it is planned. Yeah, definitely. So, the Minister for Road Transport and Highways, uh, Sri Nitin Gadkari, launched India's first CNG tractor. It is a diesel converted CNG tractor and is currently an experimental pilot project. The tractor can reportedly help save farmers over 1 lakh annually on fuel costs. Uh, Sri Gadkari stated that it would be economically friendly as it has the lowest content of carbon and other pollutants. He also claimed that it will have a better mileage than other diesel vehicles. The tractor has already obtained all required approvals before the launch. What's up? Your thoughts on how this could impact farming and agriculture? So uh, I think this is a this is a great bit of news that has come uh, in the last couple of days. Uh, so Mr. Gatkari himself was uh, involved in you know kind of getting the prototype built. Uh, this was built in uh, partnership with an Italian company. Uh, the thing is, uh, you know, uh, there are a few things that will happen as a result of this. Uh, first is that, uh, uh, as you mentioned, uh, it is expected that uh, farmers will save up to about a lakh, lakh and a half just on fuel every year. Uh, that in itself uh, is, a, is a big amount, uh, you know, cons uh, for farmers. So uh, apart from that, uh, the, the, it can also solve some of the problems uh, related to stubble burning. 
because you know that in itself can act uh, as an input to generating uh, fuel for these kind of tractors uh, so it it will be a net win win uh, in that sense that a lot of uh, you know stubble that is burned whether it's rice or wheat or you know whatever crop it can directly be con- converted into a uh, biofuel uh, so it it will uh, obviously also help you know some states like delhi which suffer uh, due to stubble burning uh, every year about 35 million tons of you know stubble is burnt uh, in india uh, the other thing is uh, because it doesn't have sulfur carbon etc it will it should result in a lower maintenance cost uh, we kind of seen that with the autos uh, you know that run on cng they report you know lower running cost uh, then uh, i think uh, they are also talking about uh, you know having some of these uh, retrofitting done on uh, older diesel vehicles and to try and see if tax rebates can be given uh, uh you know for setting up some of these centers and people who buy such retrofitted vehicles or for retrofitting uh so overall uh, i think uh, the the impact will be multifold uh another thing that i missed mentioning is uh, this will also help in kind of uh, ethanol blend uh, industry right the ethanol blending industry which is currently at about 20000 crores uh so that is expected to go up tenfold in the coming years uh, so that will be uh, another benefit uh, because that can be then used uh, you know as fuel so uh, overall uh, it looks very promising it's a space to watch out for uh, and uh, I, i do hope that you know the promise is realized because what it will mean is that uh, it will mean us uh, you know depending less on import of uh, fossil fuel lesser pollution uh, and so on yeah i just had one point here on the whole cng economy right so uh, we have discussed in one of the previous weeklies on the on, on the gale project between uh, bangalore and kerala going live but i think what is happening is that uh, this government has focused on a concept of city gas distribution or ccgd right what what is happening is the idea is here is that a lot of domestic as well as industrial or at least msme type consumption of fuel moves to uh, to 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 gas and uh, we are laying gas grids across the country uh, obviously the, the eastern side is rich richer compared to the western one although gujarat has got a very good city gas coverage uh, but uh, th- th- there are pipelines now being laid up around the country which will bring easy access to both natural gas as well as uh you know the, i mean png as well as cng to households and to industries and uh, this project is called urja ganga which is led by uh, the petroleum ministry which is under uh, mr pradhan and uh, this this can be a, this is a very promising project because this creates jobs i mean as vatsa said there's a fossil fuel angle but it also creates jobs permanent jobs uh, to with with new skill sets around laying and maintaining the pipelines and so on and several companies like mahanagar gas gale uh, indraprastha gas uh adani gas a lot of those companies are involved in, in in these projects so i think it's a space to watch out for somehow it's not being talked about as much i mean uh, i i actually personally feel it's a good it's a great transformational program for india it hasn't really been covered as much in the media but uh, very interesting development and i think the as more product side innovation happens like like the tractors for example 
the that would also spur the uh, investments on the supply because uh, if there's a market out there then obviously companies would want to tap it and uh, some regulatory changes also happening around creating a shared infrastructure and so on so so good stuff i think something to watch out for in the next 5 to 10 years all right moving on the supreme court issued a notice to twitter on the need to establish a mechanism to check fake news bjp leader vinith goenka filed a public interest litigation in which he remarked that there are hundreds of fake twitter handles and bogus facebook accounts uh, these were registered in the name of eminent citizens and high dignitaries he stated the supreme court then issued a notice to the center and twitter india to seek responses which will check twitter content and advertisements the petition by goenka also mentioned that political parties use fake social media accounts for self promotion and image building it also suggested a law as per which uh, actions can be taken against twitter in india for promoting anti india tweets ashish uh, what do you make of this yeah i mean looks like we are discussing this very regularly uh, because there is no conclusion to this uh, saga um see social media cannot be regulated the way content industries are regulated right you cannot have a censor board which will look into the pre Uh, side of tweeting, so I mean, I can't send a tweet to a for an approval to a censor board, which will then say that you can go ahead or you cannot go ahead. So essentially, the censorship has to happen or the control has to happen post facto, uh, and that is where uh, Twitter, at least, I mean, Facebook has somehow seems somehow kind of coped up with it, but Twitter definitely seems to be in a bad place because they don't seem to be actually doing the post policing very well, and, and when they do it, they kind of. crouch it in, in a supra national framework of their terms and conditions etc it doesn't really map to the individual states uh, sovereign rules so this showdown was inevitable i mean we've spoken about this someone had to take it up it, it, it has just been been incumbent on india just like it that just like we banned the 59 chinese apps and followed it up with another 120 apps i think the same situation has arisen for us where india is now responsible to kind of lead the Lead, that's the action against Twitter globally, right? And what we do will be keenly watched because we are the third largest market for Twitter after US and Japan. I mean, in terms of the number of users. So, uh, as as such, uh, the the I think the, the issue uh, while the PIL talks about a lot of things, uh, in my mind, the real issue is that can Twitter rules supersede Indian law, right? Basically, that is the question. I mean, if laws have been enacted by Parliament. And they've also held the scrutiny of Supreme Court, like in the case of 69A. Can Twitter refuse to implement those laws? I mean, the the law itself has got a recourse that you can go to the Supreme Court or or the competent courts to appeal against the government decision. But they cannot say that we decided because our policy teams thought that this doesn't apply to us. Precisely. That, to my mind, is a is a is where the uh, you know the 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 gap is. Everything else, I mean, fake news, etc. I don't think there is a really good mechanism to counter that, right? Given the speed and the volume of these, how, how these things happen, Twitter can only act post facto. Uh, yeah. It can only act with some with with some lag, and of course that bias around, uh, you know, banning one type of quote unquote free speech will be there in terms of calling it obnoxious, while the other type of quote unquote free speech will, will be allowed because it is free. So I think that I don't think there's a great solution to that, but I think just in terms of government rules not being followed. uh there is a there, there, that's that's something which is untenable and uh, in some ways the picture on the screen summarizes that i mean uh that like if you see when jack met uh, pm modi uh, typically there's a protocol of how you sit with the head of a state right and uh, well and jack doesn't like indian protocols so uh, the, the the picture is a great metaphor for what's happening in india right now and 
uh, I think with with school etc coming in and the government trying to diversify its sources of communication with with people. Uh, some of this may uh, we, we it may come to a pass where it, government may take some some strong steps or, or or basically just try to make Twitter redundant. I mean even that could be a battle uh, via via coup. So let's yeah. see how it evolves. But uh, I I just hope that the courts to intervene on this one particular point that Twitter will have to abide by the government directives and if it doesn't like it they can, they can go to the court and appeal against it. Yeah. No, I mean or they can build a new India as. Uh... <laughs> someone said on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, or they, they, they can sell Twitter India to someone, get it, get it, get them listed here. I mean, there are other options also, uh, but I mean, of course, those are extreme options. Yeah. No, the fact that Twitter has become some sort of a supranational entity is worrying, right? Like a modern United Nations that is, uh, you know, arbitrating free speech policy, etc. And the fact that they have positions, stated positions on actual governments elected by people, right? Uh, is is actually worrisome and uh, worrisome from irrespective of what side of the political aisle you belong to, right? Uh, we've said this before that they should have been proactive about regulation, but instead I think by picking sides very clearly, they have forced upon uh, themselves to be regulated in this fashion. And, and I, I think like forget about the Supreme Court orders and whatnot, I think you're going to see a lot of government action as well, right? And, uh, you know, staffing their teams with uh, uh, woke activists and people of a certain political persuasion very clearly may have been a mistake on hindsight and they're going to see the consequence of this, right? Yeah, I think every time we discuss this, I feel like there's a lot more <laughs> we can say, right? We, 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 do, we do get more views on Wiki whenever we discuss Twitter. That, that is what my empirical observation is. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, in fantastic news and development, uh, ISRO has opened up their facilities to the private sector. Uh, for the first time in 50 years, uh, two satellites from the private sector uh, and one from the academia were tested at the UR Rao Satellite Center in Bangalore. The companies that developed the sat satellites are Space Kids India and Syzygy Space Technologies. Uh, ISRO has given the go-ahead for two more companies, namely Skyroot Aerospace and Agnikul Cosmos, to test their engines at Sri Harikota and Tiruvannanthapuram. UK, uh, sorry, ISRO is also in talks for collaboration with companies like Mapma India, AWS, OneWeb, and many more. The space research body has received 26 proposals in total. What's up? This is fantastic news. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, uh, you know, we had a lot of people who were skeptical about uh, the whole of Atmanirbhar Bharat and so on. So this was announced by uh, the finance minister in uh, June 2020. So it's just been about uh, eight months now, less than eight months, where they talked about opening up, you know, the space sector and uh, creation of both in space and the new space India Limited uh, to sort of the the latter for you know launching uh, private satellites and the former for uh, collaborating more effectively with uh, private companies. Uh, so now if you if you were to look at, you know, the kind of uh, value chain of ISRO, uh, so there is obviously the manufacturing of launchers for space missions and satellites. Then there is monitoring uh, the commercial activities and so on. Uh, and while we, then this current bit of news is about uh, the launch of satellites, the downstream, which is, you know, the application, uh, applications of uh, the data that comes through satellites or applications that can be built 
you know to work with uh, some of the information that comes through satellites or for tracking the satellites uh, and so on is what i am most excited about i think uh, this is the one space where uh, we will see a lot of startups and you've spoken about map my india right which has uh, now mapped all of india uh, and in fact we're possibly in a situation where we can say goodbye to some of the uh, standard map applications that are used globally and probably default to map my uh, map my india uh, so i am while i am excited about the launch of satellites but you know the amount of data that comes out through the satellites be it weather be it you know the the use case that i that we spoke about earlier where there was a landslide i'm sure there would have been uh, if this was mapped say through a satellite and monitored regularly there could possibly have been a hint that this kind of event could occur right so these are so there is lot of you know civilian military uh, and preventive kind of applications to the data that comes out of satellites as well and i think that is one space where uh, indian startups will do very well going ahead yeah absolutely all right so that brings us to the end of uh, the news and events that we had to discuss this week uh, coming up we have a couple of really exciting episodes uh, we have one episode which is going to be a follow up to india and the foreign press with uh, ruchir sharma and vishal ganeshan this was uh, you know i mean this was one of the most popular episodes that we put out in the last couple of months a lot of uh, activity a lot of interest around this and considering what has transpired afterwards uh i think there's plenty to discuss i am personally very very excited about this we also have the second in our uh, long india series and we're going to be talking to uh, ms radhika gupta who's the md and ceo of edelweiss mutual funds uh, again very inspirational lady uh, and a high achiever as well definitely a role model for people to emulate uh, and evidently is very very bullish about india ashish what's up what are you guys looking forward to i am definitely looking forward to the radhika gupta episode i think as you mentioned she is she is quite an inspiration uh, in terms of what she has achieved uh, and so on yeah i think even the 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 uh, media influence one uh, carry the the earlier episode which we did with richard and vishal that did very well in terms of the response right and a lot of people actually went through it in in uh, in, in entirety the, the episode was quite Uh, it was not just rich in content, but also timing was very critical. Uh, yeah. We are facing those issues what we discussed. Yeah, I think that's only really going to increase with all the battle with social media giants and the 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 tech firms not being very friendly to India. So I think uh, looking forward to that that one as well. Uh, of course, Adhikar's episode, as Vatsa said, will 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 also be a great one. But uh, I think so. So yeah, I mean, interesting lineup for the for the next week. Right. All right, thank you guys uh, so much for the love and support. We continue to receive some fantastic comments, uh, you know, and uh, we're we're happy to bring you all of this content. And uh, uh, what's up, uh, Ashish? Your favorite comments from the week that was? Uh, the one about Preeti's episode was 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 nice. Uh, you know, like uh, the fact that people uh, start can start getting more more. confident and more optimistic about india based on yeah. what we are doing i think that's a great uh, i mean that that kind of embodies the purpose with which we started bharatwata right so right. kind of absolutely uh, bring out indian stories and the indian potential and so on so i think that that's like a mission mission accomplished kind of a feeling there 
Yeah, I I also liked uh, Sudhir's comment. Uh, he was there on the episode we did on Hyderabad, and what it kind of embodies what we want to do, which is cut the clutter, focus on facts, uh, and try and you know make things easy to understand for people. All right, guys. So that's a wrap uh, from us here. Uh, thank you so much for again choosing to skip the news and watch the weekly. Uh, this is a weekly edition, and we'll bring these uh, news and views to you every Sunday, ten thirty a.m. India time. So look forward to uh, meeting you guys on another episode. Until next time, stay safe, take care, and jai Hind.